to talk about intimidation. This is something that happens when another person frightens or threatens another person. They're intimidating the other person. And it's to make someone worried or also to break someone someone's confidence. Um, but it's really about generating and stirring up fear in the other person. But it's really a form of domestic violence by intimidating someone. They're deliberately causing you harm. Maybe not physical harm. It's like it can be like a psychological harm. An extreme case of that would be like stalking you. Um, that would be intimidating you, creating this fear that they might hurt you or do something to you. And you know, in domestic violence situations, when someone is accused of threatening or intimidating another person, the offense can be charged as an assault offense. And it's considered a violent crime. The actions of threatening and intimidating someone, it can be very subjective because, you know, women, you know, some women can be just more fearful than other women. Um, We can be, you know, scared or triggered, um, especially in a domestic violence manner. Um, You know, our emotions run high. A family member can accuse another of having threatened or intimidated them simply because of family disputes. But, you know, let's talk about what's considered threatening or what's considered intimidating conduct. The actions considered to be threatening or or intimidating can include verbally threatening someone with harm or actually physically threatening them. Threats to the person's personal property would also be considered this type of offense. You know, harming someone's personal property. Regardless of whether there's an actual physical contact, an assault charge can be brought against the person. You know, in domestic violence cases, this can also include sexual assault threats or intimidating language or threats of physical punishments. You know, when we're kids, we think of, you know, and I'm sure we all have one person that comes to mind you know, a person that intimidated us when we were young, we would call that person a bully. And that bully may have taken something from us or they may have pushed us down. Or maybe we were the bully. You know, maybe we were trying to step into our own, you know, boundaries and strength. And maybe we pushed someone down. And then maybe we got into trouble and we realized we can't do that. You know, like when we're children, you know, sometimes we're stepping into this place of like, you know, how, how far do we go? How far do we push the boundary? 
you know, and then there's harassment. You know, in domestic violence cases, harassment can be verbal or just unwanted physical abuse. And that's, you know, that can be annoying someone or alarming or harassing the other person. And these actions can appear unexpectedly, you know, such as someone appearing at someone's job or residence or constantly calling someone or driving by someone's house. I think of that as stalking, but it's harassment. When you're driving by someone's house or they're driving by your house or sending unsolicited mails, mail or letters or unsolic- sending unsolicited emails, that's harassment. And when a person reports this type of harassment, they may be able to obtain a restraining order against the accused person, thereby, you know, permitting them from coming close to the other person. And, you know, this would be a violation. You know, and and that can be really scary. And it can be, I think it's traumatic. And you have to think of the person that's the perpetrator. If you have a person that is appearing at someone's work unexpectedly without warning or calling constantly or driving by someone's house or sending, you know, constant emails, you know, that's scary. And that is not a healthy person. That's oftentimes like a stalker. Like that's the word I get is like the they're kind of crossing over to into the stalker world or maybe the person's obsessed they have an obsession with you or maybe they're just you know they have pathology that's what usually people that are like this like the bullies they have pathology they're mentally ill whether they're obsessed whether they're paranoid whether you know whatever it is that person is not safe and you have you really have to protect yourself if you find yourself dealing with this type of person because you don't know what that person's going to do and they're you know going back to the original topic of intimidation they're deliberately intimidating you they're in, they're deliberately trying to instill fear they're in, they're doing this deliberately And, you know, I had a couple people that did this to me. Actually, this is going back many years. One person I dated and I was in a relationship with, and they just got, they just became obsessed and paranoid. And, you know, I was young and I was just more of a carefree type of spirit. And they just had this fear that I was going to leave them and date someone else. And eventually I did because they became so obsessed and you know they were just they were they intimidated me they would you know even though I broke up with them I moved across town into a different city they would show up at my residence four or five in the morning knocking on my door or and I found out that they were following my car 
because the other friend told me this, you know, or constantly calling my apartment. This is when, you know, long before cell phones. You know, and this is just, I felt, you know, they were trying to intimidate me and I knew that something was wrong with them. I knew that something was just, something's wrong with you. You know, at the time I hadn't studied psychoanalysis and, and in my mind and in my heart, I just wanted to get away. I wanted to escape and get away from this person, which I did. You know, and, but even like friends, you know, I'm not talking about people that you even date. You have that friend that sends you those constant emails. That's unsolicited. That's a type of harassment if you think about it. And I had a friend that did that for quite some time. Like they would send me these constant text messages and it was constantly like I was supposed to solve her issues or she'd just send me a photo of something weird and bizarre and I would it was always like this response of like oh my god what is this I didn't know what I was looking at and over time I was like this is really bizarre this is not right this is not normal and she was infringing on my space infringing in my phone and I slowly over time backed away because I'm like this isn't normal and I had studied psychoanalysis many many years of psychoanalysis I took many many classes as a PhD program or a doctorate program master's program first but then I was going to continue on into the doctorate program so I I studied pathology and you know I I had a therapist, I had a supervisor, and I remember my therapist saying to me, I think she said it was, and I could be wrong, I might not have this wording correctly, but, you know, it's a form of, like, cyber stalking when the person is constantly bombarding you with communication, and it's a form of harassment even though it's cyber stalking or if it's cyber communication even though it's text messaging you know we we I don't want people to forget you can still harass someone through text messaging through Facebook Messenger through Instagram through TikTok you know people figure out ways to access you once certain types of people especially if they have like an obsessive personality you know borderline people borderline personality people they need constant communication because that tells them that they're still alive you know if they can provoke this reaction in you and you're like oh what is this what is this message why are you sending this to me that tells them that it gives them like a signal like oh I'm still here I'm still I'm still functioning it, it's this weird dynamic and when I realized that this was happening I, I slowly had to back away like this is not normal this is just not normal it's not healthy for me one it's taken up way too much goddamn time 
I'm not your babysitter. It's not my job to solve all of your problems. I'm not your babysitter. And stop sending me weird photos of your children. You know, it's not my job to solve your children's problems. It's like it's, she was constantly presenting me with problems that were really her problems or problems that she was supposed to solve that were her kids' problems, but she was always presenting them to me. And I told her one day, I'm like, I'm going to start billing you. I'm going to start sending you an invoice. And she laughed. But she didn't get the clue. She did not get the fucking clue. And I just slowly started backing away. Because she was using this, like, this weird, like, intimidating me, but also, um, it was this underhanded way of draining my energy, draining my time, wanting me to solve her problems, but if you kind of take a step back from it, it was also about trying to control me. And the, the day that I said no to her, that I wasn't gonna go to this event, because I had a family issue, I said, no, I can't. That, like when you say no to these types of people, that's when you see this, their mask drop and their their real personality their true self starts coming out and their true self is revengeful and their true self you know they always want their needs met like these people are so demanding and they always want they they want you to make them first priority over everything they contact you they expect a response like immediately and they use it to intimidation and very subtle abuse she had this tactic where she would say to me trying to think of some examples it was this very underhand way of hurting me And I knew what she was doing. And it was very sociopathic behavior. Let me give you an example. Let's say if, I'll just think, this is a bad example, but let's just say you're wearing the color pink. You're wearing a pink dress. And let's say I have a daughter that is wearing pink. That would be like me saying, oh, my daughter, she's wearing pink. I hate the color pink. And you're wearing the color pink. Yeah, my daughter's wearing pink. I don't know why she's wearing pink. I hate the color pink. But she's saying that to me, and let's let's pretend like I'm wearing a pink dress. So she had this very underhanded way of hurting me without it being direct without saying, I hate your ugly pink dress, or, you know, it wasn't about the dress, it was about her figuring out a way to hurt me over and over and over. But it wasn't just me. She did this to everyone. 
and she took pleasure in it and that's what made it really bizarre you know if I said to her oh my gosh like you're I feel like you're cutting me she'd giggle and that's where it's like oh boy I have a sociopath on my hands I got a live one here But this behavior is usually learned, and it's usually learned by one of the parents. And I don't know or even care which one of her parents is really dysfunctional, probably both of them. Um, probably her father, because her mother is completely psychotic now with dementia. And, I, and you know, psychological abuse is a, you know, when you psych when you abuse someone psychologically over time, they will get dementia. I know there's Lewy bodies and all of that, and you can have your brain scanned, and yes, perhaps it's hereditary, but, you know, abuse is also hereditary because the behavior gets passed down. And, you know, generational abuse unless you have someone that has the guts to change and to heal, the abuse gets passed down from generation to generation. And I just backed away and I just detached. And I just stopped contacting. That's the thing that you do, you go no contact. Because like, if you're gonna treat me like this, you've just lost your friendship with me you're now on a different level and that's no contact you're on the no fly zone now with me you're on the no fly list and that's what you need to do with people when people start treating you poorly you put them on the no fly list you no longer can fly with me I now have boundaries and if you continue to treat me poorly you're taken off the list you're not on my friend list anymore. You're on the no-fly zone list. You're, and you're going to be treated as such. When you call, I'm not going to answer. And if I have to block you, so be it. Because I, I have zero tolerance for harassment, intimidation, abuse. Zero. If you don't know how to behave as an adult, you don't know how to control yourself and you don't know how to treat people in a decent manner. I'm not saying to kiss my ass and to be nice all the time, but if you don't know how to behave, that's not my problem to teach you. That's not my job to teach you how to be a decent human being. You need to go to therapy because that's how you learn and figure out but that's the problem see that's the problem the people that go to therapy are the people that see you know I'm getting hurt here and I need to work on myself because I don't feel so great I need to change something I need to improve the abusive person never goes to therapy and I find that really interesting the bully the abuser the antisocial personality the narcissist they never go to therapy. It's the person that they've abused that goes to therapy. But the beauty in that is the people that go to therapy heal. They heal 
and they rise above it. And it's almost like religion where, you know, you know, God heals us. But the perpetual narcissist, the perpetual antisocial personality disorder, the people that are always cruel, the people that are always mean, the people that are always bullies, they're always living in hell, hell on earth. They're always there and they never escape hell. If you associate with these people that are living in hell, they're going to really hurt you. They're going to hurt your soul. They're going to hurt your mind, your body, your spirit. You're going to get broken down by these people. I know this because I've been there. You can heal from it. You can repair. But it's best to avoid these people to begin with. If you have a person that's abusive towards you or covert abuse or intimidating, whatever it is, you need to get away from them because they don't change. They don't think there's anything wrong with them. Like my friend, she's just going to move on to the next victim because she doesn't see anything wrong with her. She thinks she's perfect. That's how delusional they are. And it is delusional. It's teetering on psychotic. That's why these people are, a lot of them are borderline because they're teetering on psychotic. Because they don't really know what reality truly is. And when they lie, they believe their lies. That's how crazy it gets when you get into, that's, when you get into these like debates with them, like, I can't believe you hurt my feelings. You, you go down these rabbit holes in trying to explain why they hurt your feelings and you almost come out of the other side feeling crazy because they'll just lie to you and lie to you and they believe their lies. And you're gonna sit there going, what just happened? You're better off not putting your mind in that situation to begin with. It's like, you know, if there's a rainstorm, you know, we usually prepare for it. We're like, oh, it's cloudy. The weather says it's going to rain today. So I'm going to prepare for it. I'm going to put my rain boots on. I'm going to put my rain jacket on and I'm going to put my umbrella on. Right. And so when we go out into the, the rainy weather, we are prepared, right? And so when we put our rain boots on, we don't walk over to a muddy puddle and jump in the mud puddle, right? We walk around it or we walk away from it. Unless you're a child, because children love to jump in puddles. I used to when I was a little kid. If there was a puddle, I would run to the puddle and I would jump in it. But as an adult, I walk around it because you know why? I don't want to ruin my boots. I don't want to ruin my shoes. I don't want to get my feet wet. But we need to apply that same logic to people that are harmful, the people that are dangerous, 
if we see or sense that someone is not healthy for us, we need to walk away from them. We need to walk around them and prepare ourselves just like a muddy puddle because these people do not help us. They cause us harm. And just like a muddy puddle, nothing good comes from that. Nothing. And you will waste all this time and energy trying to explain yourself when it doesn't do any good. And with my friend, you know, that I told her I couldn't make this event, and I told her why at a family emergency, which was true. I noticed a few days later that she had deleted every single text message that she had ever sent me, along with photos. But I really viewed it as she was deleting evidence. Evidence of all the crazy shit that she sent to me over the course of several years, over the course of like a decade. She thought she was deleting the evidence, but I have this, because I own a business, my files are all saved and backed up. So every text that she sent me, my business has saved copies. She doesn't know this. But all these weird photos that she sent to me, and I'm not going to get into them because they're so weird. Just bizarre. Like she would pick through her kid's garbage can, pull out stuff like dirty underwear, and take photos of it, and send it to me. I don't know why. It's so weird. It's disturbing. I think she's disturbed. But then, you know, all of that was deleted. She thinks it's deleted. I still have copies of everything. But I really feel like it's evidence. It's like a case study of her pathology that she's trying to hide. You know, it's like, what, what narcissists do is they'll pick you out of a crowd. They usually pick out someone that stands out, usually someone that is smart, happy, attractive. And then they'll try to get their talons into you, their hooks, their meat hooks. Someone told me that term and that just kind of stu stuck. They try to get their meat hooks into you. And then little by little, they wear you down. And that's what she tried to do. But I spent seven years studying psychoanalysis. So she thought she could wear me down. But what she did is she just gave me material for a case study. She became a case study a psychological case study. Because I was always like, what is she doing? Why is she sending this to me? This is so weird. This is not normal. This is just downright creepy. 
picks through their kid's stepkid's garbage can, pulls out the underwear, photographs it, and then sends it to their friend. And it left me thinking, this is so weird. This is so weird. And when she realized when a narcissist or someone with that's on the narcissism spectrum, when they realize they've lost control over you, they detach and they move on and they find some other victim. And like this friend, former friend, she deleted, it's almost like deleting a hard drive of any evidence. That's what she did. She deleted every form of any community. We always text each other messages, photos, Christmas or birthdays was all gone but it's still there because I got a backup system that's going to scare the shit out of her if she ever finds that out I I still have everything there it's really bizarre to me like marrying her dead friend's husband You know, it bothered me being in the wedding because it's it's like, it's not something I could do. It's creepy. It's very single white female, if you ever saw that movie. It's disturbing. It's taking the identity of your friend, literally. She started wearing her clothes, her dead friend's clothes. I mean, I think she just got really psychologically worse when she started dating her dead friend's husband. Like, it's like a conquest. To me, you know, if my friend passed away, you know, I have a lot of love for some of my friends, and... I can't I can't I can't even imagine marrying a friend's spouse. Because the part of it is is a lot of my friends complain about their spouse. So you're like, why would I want to marry him? You know, but <coughs> I think that she had a lot of envy for this friend. she I think she enjoyed it I think she enjoyed conquering and taking over but then I think she realized she took on more than she really wanted and I think she became miserable and because she became miserable she wanted to make me miserable you know, 
she's cause she told me she was miserable but it's like not my problem you signed up for this what's the saying not not my monkeys not my circus but it's like those are your monkeys that is your circus it's not my monkey not my circus you signed up for it You know, I, I think it's fine when when people make mistakes, but I think I don't think some people can really face it when they make mistakes, or they can they can't really self reflect. You know, I, the the healthy people are able to look inside themselves and say, you know, gosh, you know, I really need to work on this part of me. You know, what whatever it is. You know, I don't have a lot of patience. I think it's because I've been in New York for 20 years. So I just, if I'm on a phone call and the person is like, if it's a business call or I'm calling to check on something and the person's going on and on and on, I don't have a lot of patience. I want to like wrap it up. But that's something that I can self-reflect and say, this is something that I need to work on. But when you're dealing with a narcissist, they think that they're perfect. They don't think that there's anything wrong with themselves. And that's the, that's the problem. You know, some narcissists have so much pathology that they actually are so delusional that they, they think that they're like a god. Or the level of god. That's how crazy they get. Narcissism is pathology. And with that, they're usually paranoid. They usually become stalkers. There's all kinds of crazy behavior. And they rarely take care of their children. That's what's really sad. Narcissists are the worst parents. The worst. Because they don't have empathy. They, they can't, they don't, they only care about themselves. So they don't have the have the wiring to take care of children and then the children just really suffer and that's what makes it really horrible and that's what makes it just really sad you know a lot of these child abuse cases physical abuse emotional abuse mental abuse sexual abuse neglect you know whether it's hitting pushing burning choking shaking striking a child you know, this all comes from behavior from a narcissistic parent. And it's really sad. You know, because the child just wants love. Children are very basic. They just want love. They want affection. They want to be taken care of. But when you are with a narcissist, they are not capable of doing that. They're not able to provide that kind of behavior. So the children suffer and these children end up with pathology because of the parents that raised them. Because they didn't, the children don't get the care that they need so they're neglected 
they're mentally abused. Like my friend. Instead of taking care of her stepchildren, she's picking through their garbage, photographing their underwear. How perverse is that? Weird. Just weird. It's like something's wrong with you and, you know, you're above my pay grade for... You know, I, I don't even have the tools to be your therapist. You're way above my pay grade. You need a psychiatrist is what you need. It's to the level of like just downright just weird and creepy. But part of the problem when you're with sociopaths is people don't see it for a really long time because these people mirror you that's the problem like with this friend she mirrored me for so many years and i that's i thought she was such a great person because she was mirroring me and we always like people that are like ourselves you know just like the saying goes we love it when people say our name. Well, we love it when we're mirrored. It's really just dangerous behavior. And then when you're in deep, whether it's a friendship or marriage, when you're in a relationship with these people, it's just devastating because their mask starts coming off. It's like they're wearing this like ceramic mask and over time it starts cracking and pieces and parts start falling off and little by little you start seeing who they really are. And you're like, whoa, who's this crazy nut job? You're nothing like the person I met person I met was like really funny and nice and this person I don't even know who you are that's what's so dangerous so when you meet someone it's good to really take your time instead of sharing things about yourself ask them questions about them you meet a stranger never overshare information about you you learn about them first, whoever they are. Because if you overshare about yourself, that gives the sociopath the opportunity. It gives the sociopath the door to open and it gives them an in to copy and mirror you and mimic you. And then you don't know who you're dealing with. That's a way to protect yourself. If you're trying to meet new friends or you're dating or whatever the situation is, you sit back, you stay more quiet, and you ask the other person questions. What do you like to do on the weekends? What, what, do you have any hobbies? What do you do for work? 
you don't share things about yourself not right away not until you get information about them first that's how you protect yourself and if you do share things about yourself you don't share personal things what do you like oh you know i like going for walks I like riding my bike that's not that personal you know, I like going to, you know, whatever it is. That's not that personal. Don't open up and share personal things because the sociopaths take down notes of what your personal things are and they hold it and they wait and then they use that against you strategically. That's how they try to destroy you with your own weaknesses. Trust me on this one. Do not share your weaknesses with people. There's no reason for it. You know, women when they get together and they have coffee or they have lunch, they love women love to do this. They love complaining and sharing their problems. Do not do this. That is the worst thing you can do to put your emotional problems or issues that you're having in the hands of another person if they're not a therapist. That is just dangerous. Do not do that. Because you don't know where that information is going. And you and I know some people will say, "Well, that's my friend." Bullshit. That's the worst thing you can do. When you have lunch, enjoy yourself. Talk about a book you're reading or a show you're watching or talk about your dog or your cat or the new blouse you bought. Do not share personal information that is hurtful with another human being unless it's your family member or a therapist. Trust me on this. because in the hands of the wrong person it will harm you women do this way too much or women will pretend or act like their friend is their therapist so they'll just unload and dump everything on this person do not do this that is just dangerous is dangerous to yourself. Friends aren't therapists. So by dump- unloading and dumping your personal problems onto a friend, what does that do? Because that friend's not trained to help you with, you know, to really help you work through any repetition compulsions you ha- may have. Uh, friends aren't trained with, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Things that therapists are trained in to help you heal, to help you improve. Friends are not therapists. Women need to stop doing that. And I have friends that try to pull that on me and I'll be like, "Oh, you know what? Have you tried a therapist?" Because you're not making me your therapist. I've had people try pulling that with me. 
uh-uh. I was a therapist. I, I did. I loved being a therapist for for my patients. I loved it. I have a lot of just pure love for my patients. But it's it's also a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of training and it's a lot of work. And friends are not therapists. So don't do that. Trust me on this. If you have some things or problems you need to work through, you need to get a therapist because one, that therapist will contain all of your information. Two, the therapist will keep it private. Three, the therapist won't gossip about you behind your back and use the information against you. That's why you talk to a therapist and the therapist can help you work through it. Friends don't care. Friends are just listening. They're not there to help you through it. There's a difference. 